Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, reading through verse 20. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Lord, we pray that you would continue to speak to us as we unpack this passage and exposit this passage. And Lord, I pray that you would apply this message by your Spirit to our hearts today. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The devil hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. The devil hates the church and has a horrible plan for the church. In 2020 and 2021, just like all the other 2,000 years in the history of the church, but it seems like growing in intensity in the last couple of years, we know that we are engaged in spiritual warfare as the church in the world. One of the evidences that we are engaged in spiritual warfare in the church, in, in the world, is the explosion of disunity in the world. The explosion of disunity in churches. The explosion of disunity among Christians and their families. We see this continually throughout the world, throughout the globe. We see that in our nation as well. Think about all the different issues that people have been divided on in the last year. There's a million of them, but just let me give you a few of them. People have disagreed over masks. People have disagreed over the virus, over racial issues, over critical race theory, over politicians, over presidential candidates, and on and on and on and on. People are railing against each other on social media, expressing their anger and outrage, often against their brothers and sisters in Christ, often against people who believe in the gospel, raging against each other, expressing their vitriol on social media. And it's assumed that if you aren't angry and expressing your anger and rage on social media, then there's something must be wrong with you and you must be complicit in the other side of whatever that particular issue might be. 
And that seems to be this overarching just negativity and hostility against believers that is raging in the churches in our nation and in the world and raging in the culture and raging around the world. What this is a symptom of is the very reality of an unseen world. The powers of this present darkness are engaging the church, are engaging families, are engaging Christians intensely in the these days why because they know that the time is short they know that that day is drawing near when the trumpet of God shall sound they know not the day but they know that their time is short the day is coming when the trumpet of God shall sound the dead in Christ will rise we will always be with the Lord and it is begin the beginning of the end for the principalities and the powers therefore they are raging against the church raging against us and the reason why life feels so hard as believers is because indeed we are engaged in a spiritual battle you are engaged in spiritual warfare not flesh and blood but principalities and powers what is spiritual warfare let me remind you of this definition that we talked about last week in part one of this series the definition from chuck lawless and bill cook commend this book to you their book on spiritual warfare just came out two years ago It said the following, spiritual warfare is the ongoing battle between the church and the devil and his forces, with the church standing in the armor of God, defensively resisting the devil and offensively proclaiming the gospel in a battle already won. That is spiritual warfare. What I want to talk to you about today, what I want to share with you today is our marching orders in this fight our marching orders in this fight against the devil, our marching orders and against the principalities and the powers from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So number one in our marching orders is this, stand firm in the infinite strength of Jesus Christ. Stand firm in the infinite strength of Jesus Christ. As believers, we are engaged in spiritual warfare, and there are three fronts in this spiritual warfare. What we battle against is we battle against the world, this godless system that is arrayed against the wisdom and the purpose of Jesus Christ. There is the world that we engage against. There is the flesh that is the second front of spiritual warfare. That is our sinful nature where we are tempted to not strive towards the holiness that God requires, but instead check out on that and go our own way and follow the desires of the flesh. So there's the world, there's the flesh, and the third front of spiritual warfare is the devil. Now, all three of that evil triumvirate work together in order to tempt you to give up, mess up, or puff up. (laughs) That is the goal of the enemy. Now, in this fight, you cannot fight in your own strength. If you were to fight in your own strength, if you were to combine in your own strength, your striving would be losing. Why is this? It's because alone you cannot defeat the devil. He is a formidable foe. But We must remember where we came from. How did we get in this fight in the first place? The reason we cannot, one of the reasons we cannot defeat the devil on our own, it was the devil who held us captive before Christ rescued us. 
We were in a place entrapped to the devil. We were enslaved to the world. We were enslaved to sin. And Jesus had to rescue us from a place we could never rescue ourselves. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says it like this. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The only way for you to stand firm against the devil is if you stand firm in your champion, in the one who has defeated the world, the flesh, and the devil through his perfect life, his death, his resurrection for us. That is our Christ. We must stand firm in Him, the one who has already defeated the enemy on the cross, who is defeating Him through the world evangelization, through the church and its missionary efforts and its evangelistic efforts, and who one day will finally and firmly and forever defeat the kingdom of darkness when He returns and casts Satan and his demons and all those opposed to His kingdom into the eternal fire prepared for them to suffer the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. Why must you not fight this battle in your own strength? I love what Puritan William Gurnall said about this. He said the following in his excellent book, The Christian in Complete Armor. I, I recommend this book to you. It's very long. There's an abridged version that has been put into a daily devotional. Get the smaller one. <laughs> read the bigger one after you read the smaller one, okay? <laughs> They're both excellent. But this is what he says. And the smaller one's been put into modern language, too. That helps. He says the following. He says, If by negligence or choice you fail to put on God's armor and rush naked into battle, you sign your own death certificate. It is not the man decked out in morality or philosophical virtues who will repel a full charge of temptation sent from Satan's cannon. It is the man suited up in armor. That is Christ. Christ alone is sufficient protection for us as believers to stand against the enemy. Why? Because Jesus has already defeated the principalities and the powers and the forces of darkness for us. Standing in the armor of God is standing firm in the infinite strength of our Christ. Look in verse 10. He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. That word be strengthened is in the past perfect present, or I'm sorry, is in the perfect continual present tense. It can't be past and present at the same time. It's in the perfect present tense. What does that mean? That means that it is something that you rest in what God has done for you, and you do it all the time. You need to continually rest in the strength that God gives you because you need a strength stronger than yourself in this fight. You cannot fight this battle on your own. If you do, you will wear out. And it's a continual present command, meaning that yesterday's strength will not suffice for today. Yesterday's strength will not give you enough in order to withstand the enemy. Is it any wonder this, the devil tries to tempt us to leave our Bibles in the car or to leave them to be dusty all week long because he knows that the more dusty your Bible gets, the more your knees lack calluses, the more he's got you because you're disconnected from the power supply. Have you ever been typing along on your computer, maybe on a, maybe, well, at home in the last year, typing along on your, on your laptop, and you're working on a Word document or an email or a spreadsheet, and you're working along, and all of a sudden, it's gone. And you have the blank screen. Oh, goodness. I hate that. 
And what do you do? <laughs> you hit the escape button. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> I always do that, and it never does anything. But you hit the escape button. You type a little bit. You, you press the power button, and nothing happens. And then you look at the little power cord, and you see that it is connected to the laptop, and you follow the power cord to the wall, and oh, <laughs> it's not plugged into the power strip. <laughs> I used up, you've used up all of your battery. You know what? I think that happens spiritually. When we are not continually connected to the power supply, when we are not continually being strengthened by the strength that only Christ can supply, you are seeking to fight the battle in your own strength, and eventually you will get weary and you will wear out because the only way for you to fight this battle is to trust in the vast, infinite strength of our Christ. The vast, infinite strength of the only one who is a renewable resource, a never-ending resource, more than sufficient in this fight. How strong is the Lord? He is the Lord God who created heavens and earth. He is the Lord God who spoke and worlds came into existence. He is the Lord God who created stars, galaxies, and space, billions upon billions of galaxies so far out there that our very best telescopes can only reach to the certain length, and we don't even know what is beyond that, but it is all created by His power and His glory. He indeed has sufficient power in order to win this battle for us, and He already has. Some people make the mistake of saying that Satan is an equal and opposite power to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is simply not true. Satan is a created being, created by God, yet fallen. He is a created being, he is on God's chain, and he is no match for the power of our Christ. Stand firm in your fortress, stand firm in the full armor of God. Our God, how powerful is our God? Our God designed the way of salvation. That's powerful if he can save us from sin, death, the devil, and the grave. Our God designed salvation. It says there in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We think about the victory that Jesus gained for us on the cross when he fulfilled that scripture. Colossians chapter three, uh, 2, verse 15 says this, and he disarmed, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Our Christ is sufficient strength, the only sufficient strength, the only renewable strength for you to stand in in this battle, in this very present world of darkness. One of the key concepts of spiritual warfare is that it is God who fights our battles for us. God fights our battles for us. He is our mighty warrior. He is our mighty fortress, our everlasting God. Rest in his strength and his mighty power. Romans 16 verse 20 says it like this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Think about that. Who is the actor in this verse? It is our God our God. Now, how do we involve ourselves in this? He chooses to use us. 
His mighty power within us, crushing Satan underneath our feet. But it is not our own strength by which we can crush the devil under our feet. The only way for this to happen is if God, by His power, by His infinite strength, through us, fully yielded to Him, engages in this fight. Engages in this warfare. You don't have to rely on your own strength. If you don't hear anything else today, if you feel like, I'm so tired and I can't fight anymore, there are many of you who are at that point. That's a good point to be in because it's a point when you realize you've got to plug in. You've got to plug in to this everlasting, never-ending, overwhelming strength, the Christ who fights your battles for you. Number two of our marching orders is this. Stand firm in Christ against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Stand firm in our Christ against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. In verses 11 through 13, we find the reason why we must be connected to the power supply. The reason why we must be strengthened by the Lord in His vast strength. It's because there is this devil that has, is scheming against us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness, evil spiritual forces in the high places. In this passage, twice we are told to take up the full armor of God. Four times we are told to stand firm against the devil. Why is that? It's because the devil is constantly working in order to tempt us to mess up, give up, or get puffed up. Either to fall into sin, to give up completely on the Christian life. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not even going to do this anymore. I give up. Or to get puffed up to think that we can do it under our own strength. Those are the three temptations overarching that, this, that Satan tries to tempt us towards. In this passage, Paul says to us to understand, your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not people you can see. The enemy is an unseen realm, an unseen world that is arrayed against believers. And our warfare is not taking up arms against our neighbor. It is against a dark, cunning, spiritual enemy. The scripture is very clear that there is a personal, real devil. It's not some kind of demythologized thing that just expresses this overarching philosophy of rebellion against all that is good. Some people are trying to redefine the devil in that way, to redefine the prince of darkness and his demons in that way, demythologizing it all. And the devil is loving it. Because if you can demythologize the devil, then you pretend he's not there. And you can philosophize your way to victory against him. But it doesn't work. Because he is a very real personal foe. The Bible describes about the devil. Let me give you some passages to read later. Read Genesis 3, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and Job 1 and 2 from the Old Testament many other passages in the New Testament. Easy to remember Isaiah, Ezekiel 14, and double that for Ezekiel's 28. So 14 and 28. That's how I remember that. 
Scripture is clear about who the devil is. He was once a chief angel, the star of the morning, who sparkled with all of the jewels of created beauty until he rebelled against the Creator and tried to usurp his power and authority. He is described as the tempter in the Garden of Eden who sought to convince Adam and Eve to doubt God's goodness and provision, plunging the world into darkness. Have you ever been tempted to doubt God's provision and protection in your life? He hasn't given up on the same tactics. We know that he opposes God's work. He perverts God's word. He inspires false prophets. He hinders the spread of the gospel. And he ensnares the wicked in his talents. The scripture describes him as the ruler of the demons. The ruler of this world. The prince of the power of the air. He's described and identified in the scripture as the great dragon. A roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The vile one tempter. The adversary. The slander. He is a fallen archangel who along with his other fallen angels called demons have been corrupting mankind since the fall. This is the enemy that we face. They are an evil, formidable, cunning, powerful, invisible foe against whom no human being and no human forces or resources can stand. The reason why we talk about it is because we must be convinced that the battle is real. That it is imperative for us to stand firm in our Christ against this very real and present darkness. Standing in the armor of God. Standing on our knees, so to speak. You know what? Satan loves it that his power is ignored and disbelieved in this modern age. Because in this world, so oftentimes people who believe that there is a devil... Are, are seen to be on the level of people who believe in fairy tales, who believe in the tooth fairy, or who believe in little green men from outer space. <laughs> and that's the way that the world sees us, and the world loves that. And the devil loves that. But think about, why would the devil love that? Think about this. If I came to your house and said, your house is being destroyed by an invisible enemy, Because behind the walls of your home are all of these little bugs called termites, and they are chewing on all of the wood in your house, destroying it from the inside, even though you can't see it. You might be tempted to say, that's ridiculous. (laughs) There's no such thing as little invisible bugs that eat your house from the inside out. Well, if they aren't there, that's okay, but what if they are there? And one day your house, even though it looks really good on the outside, is being destroyed from the inside. The termites would love nothing else than for you to not call Terminex or whoever you call, whoever the bug guy is around here. They would love for you to not call them. Why? It's because as soon as you call them, they will be exterminated. They'll be gone from your house and your house is safe. The same thing is true with the devil. He would love for you to ignore his existence. He would love for you to ignore his schemes. He would love for you to ignore his plans for your life. One of the amazing things that I love about traveling overseas and that's powerfully speaks to you when you're traveling overseas that, that, that God just does in your soul is he opens your eyes to the reality of spiritual warfare. Well, you don't have to look far to see spiritual warfare when you are in parts of East Asia or parts of Central Asia or in India or in Africa, really, or in in South America, different places that I've been before. 
Because you see it right there in the idolatry, in the temples, in the demonic manifestations that you see there. But people here in the United States say, oh, there's no such thing. We are, we're in the modern age. We're beyond that. We don't need to believe that anymore. And the devil is thrilled about that because how is the devil at work in our age? In disunity? How is the devil at work in uh, the United States? It's much more covert. Destroying families, destroying marriages, destroying churches through temptation, unforgiveness, disbelief, comfortable Christianity, and false teaching. You think the devil is not at work today? Look there. Look at the false gospels. Look at the false teaching. Look at the division. Look at the comfortable Christianity. Look at the unforgiveness. Look at the temptations. Look at the philosophies of the age that are totally against God and His Word. Oh yes, friend, He is at work. Oh yes, you are involved in a spiritual battle whether you like it or not. Whether you believe it or not. And if you don't see it, the devil has you exactly where he wants. Verse 11 says that we are to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12 says that we are wrestling in close hand-to-hand combat against a whole hierarchy of demons, this well-organized system. The Bible never says that we need to discern the organization of organizational structure of the devil. It never talks about that. It just says to stand firm against it. Now, we're not unaware of Satan's schemes. What are they? It says there that we are to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, but what are they? Well, how do we know where they are? I think through the armor of God and the listing that we have here, each piece demonstrating a particular way in which we are to stand firm against a particular scheme of the devil. What are the devil's horrible plans for your life? What are his schemes? Let's look at the armor of God for a moment, and that will illustrate it for us. What are the schemes of the devil? The first scheme of the devil is lies. The Bible says to put on the belt of truth, so the first scheme of the devil is lies. Lying through false prophets, lying through false gospels, lying to you, saying you're not loved, God doesn't love you, God doesn't doesn't care about you, there's no resources in this battle, no one else faces the kinds of temptations that you do, you might as well give up. That is the voice of the liar. That is the voice of the enemy. And you need to recognize that serpentine hiss behind that false teaching and those false words. We stand firm in the truth against him. The truth of the gospel. Putting on truth. Speaking truth in love. Believing the truth of our Christ. Satan wants you to believe lies. Satan's got our culture to buy into all kinds of lies, hasn't he? Oh my goodness, we didn't have time to go into that. Second, unforgiveness. Or I'm sorry, unrighteousness. He says to put on the breastplate of righteousness so the temptation there must be unrighteousness. The scheme of the devil is to get you to live an unrighteous life. Either to get you to trust in your own righteousness to be saved or to believe that for some reason righteousness, living out the righteousness of Christ doesn't matter as believers. Either one of those, he's got you. We're to rest and trust in the imputed righteousness of Jesus, but we are also to live out the righteousness of Jesus as we walk in holiness before our Christ. His scheme is unrighteousness. The third scheme of the devil is anemic evangelism. That's why he says, put on the gospel shoes of peace. These are actually spiked shoes that you dig in and hold up your shield against the devil. 
locked arm in arm with other believers. The shields would lock together as a phalanx against the enemy as we circle up and stand firm against the devil. But what the devil wants you to do is say, I don't need to share the gospel today. Everybody's already heard in the Tri-Cities. If they want, they can come on in the door. They can go online and get it. But no, God says for you to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so that wherever you walk, you're spreading the good news of Jesus. Whether your shoes are planted right here in the Tri-Cities or they're planted in Azerbaijan. Wherever they go, you bring the gospel. The devil's plan for you is unfaithfulness. We see the shield of faith that we are to take up. So he is calling. He wants us, his plan for us, his scheme for us is unfaithfulness. He doesn't want us to believe God for great things in our lives. Lacking faith, not praying, lacking faith in God. He does not want us to dream big dreams for God. He wants us to think small things and about a small God. The devil would love for you to have a small God and a small Christ that really can't do anything. And what is the evidence that we believe in a small God and a small Christ? The evidence of that is our lack of prayer. Unfaithfulness. Not holding up the shield of faith. Doubt. He says, put on the helmet of salvation. He wants us to doubt our salvation, not take seriously the cross of Christ. He wants to get us to believe that we can lose our salvation or get us to doubt the gospel. How much doubt is there out there today? He wants us to neglect our Bibles, the swords, so that we are not equipped in His, in Christ's armor. And finally, He does not want us to have any calluses on our knees whatsoever. We are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. All of us can point to points in our lives when one of these schemes the devil has tried against us. So how do we stand firm against him? Finally, number three, marching order, is this stand firm, fully dressed in the armor of God. Stand firm, fully dressed in the armor of God. How do we receive strength for this battle? We stand firm in the armor of God. Every piece, the full panoply, all of the armor of God. Every piece putting on with prayer. Every piece there for a reason. Every piece protecting us from a particular scheme of the devil. A particular scheme of the enemy. Now what does it mean to put on the armor of God? What it means to put on the armor of God is not like some kind of weird different thing that we do in the Christian life. When you put on the armor of God, it is a synonym for putting on Christ. It's putting on Jesus Christ and applying His work through His life, death, and resurrection to your life. This is a summary of the whole book of Ephesians that just shows you all of the glorious things that God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And in this armor, He's giving us a picture of what it means to put on Jesus Christ. The book of Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14 says this. It says, Let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you put on the armor of God, you are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are wearing His armor armor standing in his strength protected by the one who loves you gave himself for you and rose again from the grave let me show this to you briefly the bible says put on the belt of truth who is our truth john 14 6 jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes into the father except through me when you put on the belt of truth you're putting on the lord jesus christ 
the breastplate of righteousness. Who is our righteousness? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ is our righteousness. And when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're putting on that aspect of the protection of Jesus against all forms of unrighteousness that the devil would tempt us with. The Bible says that Jesus is our peace. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, so therefore we bring the message of peace that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message that we bring to the nations. Peace with God through Jesus. Through the imputed righteousness of Christ, being declared righteous by Him. He is our salvation. We put on this helmet of salvation, Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that Jesus, given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is our salvation. He is the only way. The Word of God. We take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's Jesus that we take up. Prayer. We put each piece on with prayer. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our Lord Jesus, of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The goal of all prayer is the glory of Jesus in our lives as He gains the victory in protecting us against the principalities and the powers and the forces of darkness. How do you stand firm every day this week? Every day of your life. Put on Jesus Christ. Put off the deeds of the flesh. Put off the work of darkness. Stand firm in Christ and His armor and every single piece will provide sufficient protection against the schemes of the devil. 2020 and 2021 can be characterized by this. We are in a spiritual war. There is a battle raging within. There's a battle raging without. There is a cosmic battle raging in this world. And we as the people of God must stand firm in the armor of our Christ. Let me encourage you today. You need to be praying. You don't preach a sermon on a series series on spiritual warfare and not expect the devil to get a little upset about it. (laughs) You need to be praying. You need to be praying for our church. You need to be praying for each other. You need to be praying for your family. You need to be praying for our missionaries. You need to be praying. Why? Because the spiritual battle is real. And He will not leave you alone. So I want to encourage you during this time to be praying. Let's take a moment of silence and then I want to pray for us. And then we'll stand and you respond. You can come here and pray. You can kneel right where you are and pray. But let's take a moment of silence and let's spend this time as we close today in prayer together. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for the goodness of the word that we have heard today. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that one of the reasons life is so hard is because we are engaged in a war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lord, we know the war is not against people, but is against principalities and powers. Help us to not be unaware of the devil's schemes in our lives, where he is sometimes gains victory and strongholds in our lives, but help us to stand firm against him in the full armor of God. And Lord, I pray that in the days and the weeks and the months ahead, as we continue to engage in this battle for souls, in this battle for holiness, Lord, I pray that you would help us every day to stand firm in the armor. Lord, protect our families, protect our churches, protect our missionaries, protect us as we seek to engage in this fight. Lord, bless us as we respond to your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.